I didn't know what it was going to be. I knew it was going to be something. I knew I was going to figure it out. It was funny. I remember this one conversation I had with my mom where I was like, I just have this vision of this like, almost like this empire. And she was like, so you want to build, you think that there's going to be a company just kind of based loosely on your personality. And I was like, yes. And she was like, <laughs> she was like mom, what are you down. talking oh my about? God, I love that. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Tune in for a new episode every Tuesday to hear our honest conversations about topics like wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and self-development with guests who are really smart, really inspirational, and really fucking funny. (laughs) It's real, it's raw, and it's unfiltered. Inspired by our transition from our 20s to our 30s, we realized it's so much more than that. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to help you navigate any transitions in your life and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Welcome back to the Almost 30 Podcast. A lifestyle podcast. It's a lifestyle <laughs> podcast. That's my radio voice. <laughs> Smooth like butter. I love a good radio voice. I do love a good radio voice. I'm trying to bring the energy. It's important. So important. It's Well, it's funny to listen to just like podcast. 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 <laughs> It's really funny. Um, and like seeing the very uh, varying levels of energy, of tone, of everything. And not one is not better than the other. It's just interesting mm-hmm. how it kind of like reaches me in a different way. 100%. 100%. There's one, you know, Jenna Kutcher, Gold Digger? Mm-hmm. She has great energy. Mm-hmm. She fucking kills the energy. Like, yeah. Like, Truly. thanks for tuning into the Gold Digger podcast. Like, it's just like so bright. She's just on and bright. She's yeah. on and bright. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's. You got to smile when you say it. Yeah, I know. She's got to smile. I wonder if she writes her stuff down because it's like, it's so crisp. I'm like. Oh, for sure. People yeah. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't. Is it just us? <laughs> Here we are. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. So as always, the group is popping off, but. Uh, we had a listener in the group bring up something that resonated with us. Mm-hmm. No matter how good things are, right? Especially no matter how good things look on the Instagram or, you know, you see us uh, or hear us on the podcast. Um, we always have these waves of anxiety, you know, related to anything and everything, whether it's business, relationships, uh, health, spirituality, doesn't matter. Uh, doesn't just discriminate. When was the last time you had anxiety? The last time I had anxiety was two days ago because I didn't have the energy to like flow in my day. And I was literally uh. like picking myself up to like do the stupid, stupidest stuff, like put laundry in right. just things I needed to do. And I wasn't doing it. And in, I was like, I was real upset with myself because I was like, what are you doing? And then I was worried about how it was going to translate to my work like in a few hours, you know, like I was just like, it's like a a little spiral. Totally. But um, yeah, it just comes in waves. 
recording my solo episode, I had like anxiety about whether I was going to be delivering it in a way that people would. Oh, I mean, hundred percent. I like did that and I was like, Oh, but then I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I know. I, I couldn't believe I went so long. I was like, damn, I was like talking. Yeah. I mean, it's so good. Like, yeah. like when you're in the flow and I just, I'm so sensitive to when I am really feeling it and when I'm not. And when I'm not, I just like, don't even want to force anything. Yeah. That's what is hard about doing, you know, the, of the, with the podcast, it's like we're recording a lot. Mm-hmm. And there comes a point where you hit a wall and you're like, wow, I'm a little blank and mm-hmm. I don't even want to serve up something half-assed yeah so it's usually we just stop when was the last time you had anxiety anxiety? so i'm trying to think like probably i don't know because mine are like mine's not moments it's periods Mm. so it's not i don't really get like a morning of anxiety it's like a period of time in my life where i have consistent anxiety Mm. So yeah, I can't really, it's probably a time when I was working a hundred percent, you know, when we've had a lot going on and I had my full-time job. So definitely related, related to that, but I'm so like in the future, it's hard for me to think about anything in the past, to be honest. Yeah. So we had, we had uh, a listener in the group and she was expressing how anxiety, how it, in the past for her, it has messed with following her intuition and hearing her soul's voice and that she's really worked on it and it's become something that's improved. And, um, but that really kind of rang true. Like it is a complete energy block when that anxiety in order to listen to your voice, because the voice of your soul would, at least when I'm listening to it does calm my anxiety. So what are ways in which like you've been able to kind of like get out of that headspace? Yeah. So she said that the anxiety hinders her from listening to her soul's voice. I just had to repeat that to mm-hmm. understand. So it's funny because I think that the anxiety is your soul's voice. Mm. So for you as an example, you're moving slow. Your anxiety is saying slow down and stop. Mm. But your ego is saying keep going and go. Mm. So I think uh, the, actually the opposite. I think that your soul is trying to tell you something with your anxiety most of the time, most of the time, most of the time. There's obviously anxieties with other things, you know, related to maybe like feeling anxious about speaking in front of a group or um, something like that. But oftentimes it's like, I found situations where my anxiety is like related to something I'm, I'm not doing or I'm not tending to, or I'm not listening to. Um, you know, you're in a relationship that you know isn't right and it's giving you anxiety and you're talking to all your friends about it. You're like, okay, so we, you know, we haven't slept together for a while and you know, is that normal? Like, what do you think is that normal? Or, you know, so he's, Mm. he's good in this, but he's not good in this. Is that, what do you guys think? Like, is that, that anxiety is like you, like, you know that you shouldn't be with that person, mm-hmm. but you're staying with that person. Or like with a job, it's like, my job gives me anxiety. Sunday scaries. You're going to a job on Monday that you fucking hate and it's giving you anxiety because you know that it's something that you don't want to do. Yeah. And I think- I think it's like a byproduct yeah. of the being out of alignment. You know, like, but yeah, I, I, I know yeah. what you're saying where it's like, it's like the soul- the ego. And when those are kind of one is overpowering, then it's just going to, the byproduct is that. Yep. It's that conflict. It's that inner conflict where there's like two dialogues going on. For me, my, you know, my most anxiety time was when I was in Chicago and I was living a life or I wasn't living a life when I was living in Chicago, working in this corporate job and Mm -hmm. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't meditating. I wasn't, you know, 
being conscious. I wasn't being aware. I had, you know, I just wasn't doing all these things and I had just crippling anxiety. And it wasn't until I started to live a life more aligned, kind of going outside of what my friends were doing, go outside of what normal people were doing in Chicago at that time and start to like really explore who I was and get more connected to who I was and go for it is when I kind of was like able to help with my anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I find too, I'm anxious when I feel like, um, I have to do things on my own. So really putting into perspective what it's going to take to get that thing done or fulfill whatever I'm wanting Mm. and to take the pressure off of myself helps to kind of just quell the anxiety. Um, yeah, because I mean, I like asking for help. I'm not averse to like asking for help, but there's a sense of what that that person's going to think about my ability to do it. That gives me a little bit of anxiety. So yeah, just kind of releasing the pressure off of myself helps. It's so hard with anxiety too, because it's like you could talk to friends about it, but it's hard to, I found it's hard to verbalize how it feels. And there's not really Mm. the only, you know, the answer. So there's no answer that your friends are going to give. And it's kind of like, it's also physical. So the, the physicality with anxiety is really difficult with depression too. There's a physicality to it, but the physicality is hard to get to ease that having conversations. Mm -hmm. I think you can definitely, but I always found that it's like, you have to do your own self soothing of hand over the heart, hand Mm -hmm. over the belly breathing of trusting, of kind of like preventing it. So preventing it by meditation, preventing it by no caffeine or less caffeine, Mm -hmm. preventing it by sleeping, preventing it by making time for self-care and like doing things that you love so that you can work against or like try and like not have anxiety, you know, come on. You know, there could be times too. I have one of my best friends, Jen, she gets really bad anxiety flying. You know, she has, that's, that's her thing and, and medication helps. Mm -hmm. So if medication helps you and there are situations where you are feeling anxious on a reoccurring basis and it's debilitating, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a, that's a great option to explore if it makes sense too. Yeah. And also just because my anxiety comes up in moments, whether it's a morning or Mm -hmm. just a day, I oftentimes like get the thoughts out of my head by just speaking them out loud and just like talking to myself. And you've been doing that too, where it's just like, what is going on? (laughs) What's going on in your head? What is actually real? What is not to almost just like shake up the energy too. Cause like I literally, there are sometimes when I hear yelling in my head, I'm like, who's that yelling? Like, why are these thoughts yelling when it could just be like spoken clearly? So talking to yourself (laughs) helps and also just like surrendering. So I I have like a conscious like surrendering where I'll just Mm -hmm. be like, okay, okay. Love it. I'm anxious. I love You know, because oftentimes I feel like my anxiety is attracting more chaos that will bring me more anxiety. So you know, if I'm feeling anxious, then I go out to my car and my car key's not working and then I can't open my car and then I'm going to be late for this. And that, and I literally am convinced that my inner chaos has attracted this new chaos. So I think there is a moment of just grace and surrendering to whatever's going on. Just be like, okay, I hear you. Mm-hmm. And like, let's move at a pace where it's manageable. and 
it'll pass, I guess. You know, we talk about that a lot where it's just, you know, the fleeting, the Mm -hmm. impermanence of what you're feeling. But yeah, man, it's anxiety is really hard. hard. Also too, anxiety comes because of attachment. So Mm -hmm. you are attached to something, you know, whether it's an attachment to a person or a, a way of living or an idea. Most of the time it's ideas or fears. So for me, my anxiety was around like my life path. If I was ever going to like fulfill my Mm. soul's destiny in this life. And I know that sounds cheesy, but it's true. That's where the majority of my life's anxiety has come. And it's like an attachment to believing that what I'm doing right now or what I was doing then or me just existing is not enough. Mm-hmm. So I am not enough just existing in the person that I am as a person, you know, an embodiment of God and that I have to be something to fulfill my soul's purpose. There is an attachment there. So there could be an attachment to death. You're afraid of death. You're afraid of what mm-hmm. happens after death. You're attached to um, an idea of a relationship or something like that. So oftentimes yeah. it's like, understanding and identifying the attachment there that you're really, really working in your fear of losing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. So we'll continue the conversation yeah. in the group, but I thought that was really great. I loved that question. Yeah. I appreciate that question. And Me the too. comments have been so, so sweet and amazing. So thank you so much for that. Uh, today on the podcast, Alix. Alix. What's up, homie? Oh, she has been such a little angel to us. Oh, yeah, I, dude. She's, I, she, she walks the walk and talks the talk. Truly. I'm so energized by people who do what they say they're going to do. And, and more. She, and more. And um, she's been a mentor to us in this business. So thank you, Alix. Alix yeah. is the founder of Bev, the rosé made by chicks it is in a can it is delicious Delish. but she the the umbrella company is uh elixir elixir get it she was she's hinges badass. most eligible eligible she's been on many lists <laughs> um she's super smart she's a badass female founder so she's created bev into more than just a beverage company it's a brand it's all about um female empowerment chicks or beverages made by chicks Mm -hmm. made by chicks is like their little logo um they've been to a bunch of our events as a great support we've had her speak on a female founder panel which was awesome um and this is fun and so fun she's such a great interview yeah her founders her story is is pretty wild and you know she stands as someone that we look to she's in rooms with male vcs pitching Fucking canned rosé. It's crazy. And she kills it. Kills. So we, we were at her, we were over at her her office, which is an expander for, for mm-hmm. us. Her beautiful office with her dope interns and employees. That's so rad. Um, and her cat, she, Harold. Cat, Harold. She had her little text, you know, the text fly up. This is mm-hmm. her sort of texts were flying up. And the one was like, it was from a dude. And I'll, I won't say much about it, but it was basically about an investment like there's like this person opened up seed funding for X million dollars. And I was like, the fact that she's having that fucking conversation with some dude that's also a founder is like insane that some mm-hmm. dude was like, yo, I got to tell leaks about this thing. Like I was like, you're such a baller. She's such a baller. Such a baller. 
Yeah, so grab your Bev, drinkbev.com. Oh, yes, by almost the way. 30 is the code. Almost 30 is the code. Um, enjoy this interview. I think that she will serve as an expander for a lot of you who are starting a business who don't really know what they want to do, but just kind of like take the leap, do some crazy shit. We love you. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Bev aims to inspire the world. (laughs) Obviously. I love Healy. This is so long. (laughs) Literally. I mean, what did she even write me? Our podcast is you reading your mission statement. (laughs) What did she even write me? She's like, also can't wait to hear you. Oh, so cute. What a doll. Give the gift of your true self. Experience the moment and let your soul shine through. She, She said that. That's our, that's like our mission statement. No way. Took, yeah. Have you, have I not read this to you? Uh-huh. Have you not read seen it. this? Okay. This is a leaks peep out of drink this. Yeah, Man, don't worry. so in love. You got that phone background. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, you mean the, you mean the love one, not the Bev one? Both. The boyfriend I one? I cannot boyfriend. wait to have a boyfriend as my background, guys. I mean, dude, your guys is, you guys are He's like, he's, anno- he's annoyingly wonderful. Oh. Yesterday, oh my gosh. Yesterday night love. I was... I was in Santa Barbara and I was like, I really just want to go buy myself some steak, but I feel like that's fiscally irresponsible because this place that I'm going and looking at the steak is like $50. Mm-hmm. And then I looked down at my phone and he's Venmoed me $50 because he isn't here to take me on a date. That is so cute. <laughs> it was gross. Oh was my really God. Sweet. That is so, so sweet. I know. Did you cash that shit in? Yeah, basically, <laughs> I was like, I'd be like, then I thank you. you. Yeah, literally. And Transfer. Then I kept in yeah, exactly. <laughs> Transfer initiated. Yeah. Okay, wait. I'm going to read this to you. I can't for believe real. you guys met at Summit. Okay, read your mission statement. Well, we, we met in the airport. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like on our way there. Which is, he doesn't seem like a guy that would like hit on a girl at the airport. He, well, he definitely didn't. He was kind of um, annoyed by me at first because I was mm. annoying because we ended up we ended up both myth- missing our transportation and then we had to share an Uber to Summit. So that's how we met. And then oh. I was taking conference calls in the Uber. So he was like, Savage. who is this annoying bitch? Am I allowed to curse? Oh, yes. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Girl. So you yes. were taking conference calls. Were they like related to the biz? Yeah, they were like legal calls. It was just so terrible. And he was like, who does this chick think she is? And then you got there and you were like, oh, hello. And I was like, here's a can of rosé. Would you like one from from my suitcase? He was like, what is happening? Oh my God. <laughs> Cute. And yeah. was it just magnetic after? Yeah. So for the, I would say for the first, like, I don't know, half a day, he was still just trying to figure out who the heck I was and what. Like, because I can be such a personality and he's a little more on the reserve side. What is it mm. called? What does John Wineland call it? Um, it's like breaking the circuits or something. Yeah. So if breaking barriers. If, if you kind of come in hot and like he's not ready to mm-hmm. hold space for that, I guess. Or receive your receive energy. Receive your energy. So, so for someone like you and for someone like me, if you meet a sweet guy that that's like that, you know what I mean? It's it, it's a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I come in. I come in hot. For come in sure. hot. Exactly. Yeah. I come in hot. We come. In, Lindsay comes in hot. <laughs> Which well, I think that's, I think that's part sure. of the reason that I'm such an advocate. So I used to go on like destination first dates and shit, which is just wait, like wait. Tell me more. Okay. So this is actually really funny. When I met my boyfriend, the following week, I'd already had a destination first date with another guy scheduled. So I was going to Hawaii the following weekend with a guy I'd never met before. <laughs> what? How, who, who buys? True story. They do. Come on. So is this prostitution? Or- <laughs> no, I know, right? Good question. Oh Good, question. Good, question. <laughs> Good like, question. Good question. Good question. You know, my destination. Dude, that's a real thing that goes down in Silicon Valley. Oh, uh, by the 
by the way. Oh my God. That's like so real. There was girls at Summit that were like that. Yeah. It was like trolls. Yeah. Trolls. Yeah. It was, it's, it's like a weird, it's a weird thing. It's super real up there. But anyway, but no, that was not me. It was, um, it was, we were just set up by like an investor that had invested in both of our companies. And then, but he lived in San Francisco and I lived down here. And so he was like, oh, I'm going to Hawaii. Like, do you want to just, come and go on a date there. And I was like, sure. So I'd had it set up the weekend that I met my boyfriend. And so we kind of thought that nothing was going to happen because I was like off to, you know, Hawaii with some hot guy. Actually, this is a hilarious story. And then I, and so I meet my boyfriend. (laughs) We like fall madly in love throughout the course of the weekend, Mm. like stupidly. Like I knew that I was going to marry him within a week Mm. probably. Mm. And I get to, so I still go on this date to Hawaii Cause I was like, cause, well, cause yeah, cause like, duh. <laughs> I get there and I realize very quickly that this is not like a date weekend. This is a huge bro weekend that this guy has been planning and wait, it gets That's like perfect. so much worse. And they're going to run I'm train on you or this, I'm staying <laughs> in this apartment that looks so, it's like a so run down. Well, it was like guys and girls, but uh. mostly dudes. I'm staying in this apartment that looks so run down. Like, honestly, like I've been to third world countries and this apartment was like up there. It was like gnarly. Like, I don't even know that if there was running water and like lights. I was, I, I was very confused. <laughs> I was like, we're in Honolulu. Like, why is this happening to me? And then, yeah. And there were three bedrooms and like 11 people. On this weekend. And then I kid you not, the next day he's like, okay, we're going to like, he's like, there's some sort of charity race we have to do. I thought it was like a 5k or something like, oh, the over the course of the weekend, we're going to do this race. And I get woken up and it's like, okay, it's time to go. It was a, do you know what a Ragnar is? I've heard of it. No. A Ragnar is like a 24 to 36 hour multiple hundred mile relay race throughout the night. (laughs) So I ended up having to run, I'm not joking, 18 miles over this weekend, overnight, sleeping in a car. Why didn't you just say no? (laughs) I just didn't know. I'd been signed up for this Ragnar. So I literally ran like eight miles, eight of the miles at two in the morning, like in Hawaii. I didn't, I barely even, it was so weird. Anyway, but meanwhile, the whole point is, I'm texting oh my, my boyfriend who I'd met the week before and he was just like, first of all, how do you, how does one get themselves into the situation? I was like, I don't know. I mean, for real. I don't know. Like, Me. <laughs> just like, I love that you did it though. Classic, it was probably a test yeah. from the guy. I've been hearing a lot lately about these little tests that guys do. So it's probably like a test like, oh, is she down? Is she yeah. going to like go with the flow? Well, you know, I was just like, don't, don't mess with the marathon runner, okay? You don't know yeah, that I'm a marathon runner, so but true. you had no idea. But also, you- like such a Silicon Valley thing, it's like no actual problem. So they like create these like little situations, these little <laughs> microcosm problem situations. We're like, we've well, got to get up at two and it's run just, eight miles. Yeah, it was so. <laughs> like it's like make a. It was so bizarre. It wasn't honestly. It was insane. So then, after- if, if he's listening, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry for throwing you under the bus here, but also, how that could you do such a thing? <laughs> so after we like deuces. Yeah. So then actually a guy I'd met from Summit the weekend before, who's just like a friend of mine mm-hmm. now, I'd, you know, people at Summit like knew that this was happening because I'd been, because I'd mentioned it. And he was like, if you end up in a shitty situation, like text me and I'll introduce you to my friend who owns a hotel there. So I was like, sweet. But unfortunately the first night it was President's Day weekend. And so there were, everything was booked, <laughs> like literally every hotel. So, then, so yeah, so that was horrible. And then the next, the next day I was just like, okay, peace, bye. Like, Talk to you later. Whoa. They put me in like a nice 
nice room and I slept. Yeah. It was. So anyway. Wow. And now you're just madly in love. Lindsay, you got to get on that. No, I'm not in love. Well, I haven't done like destination first dates, but I've experienced like the extreme first date with like someone who can. Yeah. I feel like it it can go one of two ways. On the plane, they went skydiving or something. Chocolate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vanilla milkshake. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Well, I did. I don't know if I've shared this on the pod that I did. My friend worked for a millionaire matchmaker oh. or business or whatever. And she's like, please, like, can you please go on dates? Like, I get a commission. Like, if I, I, I bring in girls. And I was like, sure. Like, it's not like my impetus to be like, yeah, for sure. Like, because I know <laughs> that they're probably a little weird. I don't know. Dude, this yes. happened to me. <laughs> really? When I was living in San Francisco. Dude. I have every date story in the book. It's like Wait, hilarious. Did you do? Did you no, do? I was like, I was hunted by one of those mm-hmm. places and over and eventually I was like sure whatever I'll go on like one date with one person and this dude shows up having mined all of the data from the dating apps because he was like a tech like nerd he person what he hacked it yes what? no joke and had like all of the data and like ranked everyone and like went to this matchmaking I'm dead serious I went to this like matchmaking thing and was like I want to talk to like these people it was like very bizarre. The whole thing and was you were very one bizarre. Of them. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea why. What was the Whoa. date like? It was very weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. If I'm going to be totally, if I'm going to, is this a, this is an unfiltered podcast? Yes, yes. It's part is, of our intro. If I'm going to be, if I'm going to be totally um, honest, then I ended up getting invited by that dude to Burning Man. Sexy. And so like, then well, I was like, okay, well, whatever. I can't really afford to go to Burning Man this year. So I guess I'll go. But I required that I had like my own room and all of this stuff. Do you send them like a, I what do you call your, that? Like, <laughs> Negotiation yeah, with everything you your, do. Like, this makes it, this makes it sound way worse than it is. Okay. I promise it's no, not. I, I basically, he was like, I really need to date for Burning Man. I was like, well, I'm not going with you under the pretense of sleeping with you. Like you have to give me my own room, mm-hmm. but then like, sure, I'll go. Like your rooms though. Well, they had an RV. Uh, and so I was like, I need my own bed. Like need I need my own, bunk. I need to be on my own like side of things yeah. and stuff like that. And I, like, like never even hooked up with this dude. Was it worth Ever it? did. Never did. Wow. You don't have to lie to us. Well then, no, I'm not lying to you because then, <laughs> then I like ran away with a hey, cute DJ at Burning Man and <laughs> didn't did? even sleep in the army, which See, was dude, terrible. That's the thing. Poor guys. Just ruthless. Uh, was Burning Man cool? I've been a whole bunch of times. I love it. Oh, you do? I'm a huge fan. Yeah. yeah personally, but like, it's really tough to go without an RV, I will say. Yeah. It's really dusty and really hot during the day. No camping. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to finish our conversation. Or should we introduce first? Well, yeah. the po- by the way, really quickly, the point yeah. about coming in hot, that's all to say oh, that yeah. those whirlwind romances, they're either like a complete nightmare because they're a whirlwind and they mm. go out in flames just as fast as they came in. Or I think it gives people who are like nicer and quieter and like maybe more are the yin to our yang a little bit more time to actually yeah. get to know you and not be freaked out. I think that's what happened with with Jeff. And especially with Jeff, it's like, because you guys are long distance. Yeah. Jess and I were long distance. And I remember it was really helpful for us because I ain't coming so hot to like let it be, be more of like a slow burn rather than just like. Yeah. Yeah. We're big personalities, right? Yeah. And you got to be able to like. Handle strap it. on yeah. and like yeah <laughs> 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 just let them strap it on just, yeah. just strap on uh, in boys um would you please introduce our, yourself to everyone listening 
Sure. Uh, my name is Alix Peabody. Mm-hmm. And out there. What? I thought you had questions. I was oh. like, oh. <laughs> no. And, and uh, what, what am I? I'm the founder of Bev, which is, well, it's technically called, did you know it's technically called the Elixir Company? That's oh, the I holding. Know. I did need the parent That's company. That's the holding right? company. But, um, but our brand is Bev. We make it Candor Rose, but it's so much more than that. Yeah. Tell you know. us more. Yeah. Like how we'd love the origin story you've told us. And I literally never yes, gets old. Yes, I love your story. The, the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. The whole thing. Where do you even want me to start? The, uh, the far. As the what? Back. Far as far back. back. <laughs> the far. The this far. is what we go. Go, the far. go we really don't talk. far. <laughs> so cool. um, interviewing for my job. Yeah. So I'm going to try to do do it as like non-rehearsed as possible because I, you know, I, I say I it know. I'll give you like the real reels. Yeah. So okay. I guess it all started when I was in college, which mm-hmm. but like for real, because uh, I went to a super frat dominated school. Um, Dartmouth is, you know, it's just all frat life and totally. every, you know, every party, everything, it's all male dominated, Where is male it located? owned. Where's Dartmouth? Middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere, New Hampshire. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very cold, lots of beer, but, and there was just like a lot when you were there that, you, you know, it's, it's like, you're always invited, but you're never welcome. Like it's very, do you, not welcome, but like, oh, yeah. you're, it's like I felt that at BC a little bit. Wow. You're invited, but it's not your home. It's not your place. And that was like, and it was made very clear just by like the frat infrastructure, I think. Mm. If that makes sense. And I wasn't in a sorority, but even so, part of the reason I wasn't was because sororities are like are not allowed to have parties like nationwide. And I just thought that was totally awful. But anyway, mm. all to say that the whole concept of social scenes in general being so male dominated kind of always bothered me a little bit. And I think in those, in a lot of those situations, you end up in situations that aren't great. Right. And you end up with a lot of sort of this day rape culture and stuff like that. So of which, you know, I've experienced my fair share. I'm sure everybody, most women you talk to have, which is sad, but true. So anyway, so that was kind of the, I guess, like genesis of me wanting to do something like womanly, but fun, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Am I making sense at yes. all? Yes. No, you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so yeah, that was kind of the very early days. And then when I was, and I knew I wanted to build something, I had no idea what. I was like, one day I will build something. I don't know why or what or whatever. Uh, I worked in finance after that. I was at Bridgewater, um, the hedge funds, which you, which we can talk about more yeah. later, which was which was a great experience and like in a lot of ways it was really intense but it was cool and um, eventually moved out to Silicon Valley and when I was living there, uh, well I with moved Bridgewater. No, I moved to and I took a job as an executive headhunter, and while I was in, basically I thought I would get paid to meet people and like that would be, You'd be so good at that. my job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I was like, all right, I'll just get paid to meet people. I'll know everybody, and then eventually I will be able to build whatever I want to build. So anyway. Within three months of getting there, this is the part you know and have heard of, I got really sick. And I'd kind of had like stomach issues for a long time, or I thought they were stomach issues, but um, they turns out they weren't. And so I was walking to work one day and I just like basically keel over on the sidewalk. And my friend, I remember calling my friend Sarah and I was like, I don't, she was, she's in med school. And I was like, I don't know. Every time I go to the doctor, they just tell me the same thing. I have like irritable bowel syndrome or something. And they tell me to go home and then it costs me tons of money and I'm sick of it. She was like, you have to go. And I go and they realize that my right ovary is torsed, which is a real thing that happens. What does that mean? 
So it means basic, like, you know how dudes get like testicular torsion? Yeah. You can get ovarian torsion. Like your ovary flips over on itself. Whoa. Yeah. And so mine flipped over 360 degrees wow. three times. So it's like twisted. Yeah. So it's really hard to see in a scan from what I understand, because it's the difference between like in a scan, a straw and a rope, you know, and if it's a rope, there's no blood flow. And so my ovary, like your ovary is like the size of like a walnut. Mine was swollen to like a grapefruit. Like it was massive and really, and dying basically. It was a nightmare. So all to say, um, ended up having like six surgeries over the course of like 18 months. Like I've always wanted kids and yeah. And the doctors were just trying to save it as best as they could. But I ended up in this situation where I had like a very short amount of time to freeze eggs and like no money to do so. And my parents, of course, like chipped in and stuff like that. But um, but I I mean I was like inundated with medical bills at mm. this at this point. It was and I was like 24. So I'd like had no money mm. essentially. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, you know, and what I'd say from Bridgewater, I'd like traveled and moved across the country with, which is like, you know, what a 23, 24 year old mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And You're like, wow, $6,000. Yeah, I was like, wow, I've got, I'm loaded. <laughs> yeah, I can afford to buy a house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's fine. Um, my Actually, my little brother, he's 17 or no, he just turned 18. He, he tells me, he's like, I'm a thousandaire. I'm like, <laughs> same. <laughs> I'm like, totes. Literally. Yeah, same, same sauce. Um, at least today I am. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't ask me on the 14th. Like right before, right before payroll. I'm 100 in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, honestly. But anyway, yeah. And so, so I ended up throwing these parties that were like these little mini festivals in the Bay Area and just tar- charging people tickets. And I worked with like some of the liquor stores and we're like, I'll send all these people, you know, to your store, like give them a discount and a cut of sales and whatever, all of this just scrappy stuff. And do you make a cut? Did you make a cut of sales? Yeah. Well, uh, one, for later on, I did not in the first couple yeah. ones because I didn't know to do that. <laughs> like whatever. How but you know? yeah. And then covered, you know, the parties and, and some extra money on, uh, on top of that. And then, yeah, I was able to save some money, freeze, freeze eggs, pay off a lot of those bills, which was cool. And they became like fun festivals. So there are two things. Like I kind of say in retrospect, it's easy to say, oh, this is where I got the idea. Like, okay, like, but I don't know. For me, things never really happened that way. There was always, it's almost like a volcano. It's mm. like rumbling and then one day it just like explodes and you're like, oh, this is what that was all for. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But yeah, at the time, I'd, one of the things I really did like was I just liked that sort of like festival vibe. And I liked that it was a really female owned space. Like everyone has more fun not to be, you know, mm-hmm. weird about it. But I, I've even talked to guy friends and they're like, if we're in a, you know, if we're at a girl's party, you have no problem like calling out bad behavior you see from other oh, dudes or totally. like you have no, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a lot. I don't know. Everyone has more fun. It's, it's like th- a thoughtful mm-hmm experience yeah, you know it's a things are thought of whether it's like you know having the right food the right drink mm. you know the right music the whatever like girls Wait, are just so really right. perceptive Candles. okay so i have actually <laughs> i still want to ask you guys this and ask everyone who listens mm-hmm. to you to just if they comment or whatever yeah we sometime in the next couple of years want to open the bev bar like a fir- the first like truly bar designed with women in mind. Like, what does that look like to you? Oh my God. Mm. Guys, you hear that on Facebook Live. So what is a bar designed by women, by women for with women, women in mind? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Look like. 
I was like, I was like a God. rose apple store. Oh my! Like a God. showroom, and then it, like the lighting. It just has to be tons of Instagrammable moments. Yeah, for sure. But the also, lighting has to be good. Yeah, and like from a good direction. Pink and palms. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know some the coziness. bathroom situation. Oh. The ba- lots of stalls. I've heard this stalls, over and like over again. Hundred, the, like a hundred. The door stalls. from the top to the bottom. Oh my god, you're so right. Private full full doors. Full doors. None of this Let like Let me do my thing. And like just like things available in the bathroom, like obviously tampons, maybe like vag wipes. But no one you have mm-hmm. to tip for it. No one you gotta tip no for one you it. Yeah, no, that's no offense. Well, because yeah, we don't just, ever like we don't carry like dollars. Yeah, anymore, unfortunately. You know I mean? No. Um, yeah. The other thing that I've heard a lot, which I never even thought of, and someone said it to me, and I was like, oh my God, why isn't this at every bar? Accessible water everywhere. Like fountains, with like it's a bitch to no, ask the bartender. It's for such it. a bitch to ask yeah. the bartender, and you want to be holding something in your hand, and you don't necessarily, you know, want to freaking muscle your way to the bartender, or you feel guilty muscling your way all the way up there, and then not yeah. buying something. That's a good one. And Bubbly I was like, water too. Yeah, I mean, I've also heard just like sense, good sense, tons of everywhere, sense. <laughs> tons of like snacky food. Yeah. That you can get. Like healthy, but filling. Yeah. Because at bars, like if they have like nuts or the trail mixes, you're like just eating shit and then you feel like shit. And like live music, I think is so, it's just Mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm. I don't know. From time to time, at least. I love live music. Like some dancing availabilities. I like the idea of like different rooms with Mm -hmm. kind of different vibes. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. But anyway. Anyways, we're here for that. So that's a thing to think about. And the other thing I got addicted to more than anything was this idea of addressing serious issues in lighthearted and happy and approachable mm. ways, right? And I was thinking, and you know, at that, I mean, I guess this was a couple years ago now, but you kind of see a lot of female brands these days come out and they're angry and undertone. You know, women have a like lot who? of reasons to be pissed off. Like, I'm like, don't make me do that. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, there are two ways to approach any situation, right? Like you can go through a shitty situation and you can use it as fuel to make things around you better or you can kind of get mad about it. I mean, there's a, there's a place for there's a place for that, of course, but to me, I was just I got sort of stoked. It's it's like your podcast, right? Like you yeah. you guys are dealing with like real issues and real life changes, but in a way that is easy to listen to and it's fun mm-hmm. and you can laugh about it mm-hmm. and that's kind of always been my attitude too. So Anyway, at that point, I moved down to LA actually because I thought I wanted to build like a media events platform Mm -hmm. at first and maybe, you know, like a, you know, I I don't know, like a Hello Sunshine, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. I don't, something with like events involved or um, be, and then over time, I actually met some guys who were basically like, you are too smart to be in entertainment. Like you should come build this sort of completely different thing with us that was like product centric. And I was just like, this is not this. I have no interest in this. This makes no sense to me. Like this has nothing to do with why I'm here. I was at film school in USC for comedy writing to try to like learn how to, yeah, like build content. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And anyway, so sorry, this is all boring. But the point is at that point, there was basically a moment where I was essentially like, what if you built a women's empire fueled by beverage sales in an industry where there's just like nothing for mm. women, like mm. nothing. We get like skinny girl margarita and white girl rosé and like, that's it. Damn. Looked into a whole bunch of different things, realized that the alcohol industry is A, at the soul of fun, right? Like there's so many, that's, 
every bar, every party, whatever. There's booze. There's nothing out there for women in this industry that's like not about calorie consumption. And mm, that's true. What's more fun than rose? So uh, at that point, I had no money, like $12 in my bank account, mm-hmm. pulled my 401k from when I worked at a hedge fund, bought all this rose, found our wine supplier on Hinge. Of all things, did you guys know that? I feel like I heard it tell the story. Real story, (laughs) super random. I'd been like, okay, so part of the reason, do you know like the hinge most eligible list? This is so embarrassing. Oh my God, no. In Business Insider, it's like a thing they do, they put out every year, city by city. Wow. And they do like the 10 or, no, I guess it's the 30. It's the 30 most eligible people, city by city. So I'd been in it in San Francisco and then I was in it in LA. I don't know why. I have no idea. But they that was actually how I ended up being, I think, on the list of that guy with all the Wait, data. That's amazing. Super uh, random. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they'd thrown together this happy hour in San Francisco. And I remember meeting this guy who who was also like on this list who I was friendly with who worked in wine. And so like two years later, I called him and I was like, I'm trying to buy a lot of rose. And he's like, okay, okay, homegirl, like calm down. And I was like, no, really, I'm, I'm trying to buy like hundreds of gallons of rose. And he was like, well, as it just so happens, like my roommate's one of the, owns one of the largest wine suppliers in the state of California. So I can just introduce you to him. He won't, you know, he might be willing to talk to you. And then I was like, I raised money. And he was like, okay, I'll talk to you. <laughs> so yeah, wow. that was you, that. How did you get that mentality? You're such a connector and you're such a people person, like, and you use your relationships in a really like effective way. Thanks. Where do you get that? So I went to four different high schools in three different countries. Wow. Have, did I, I, have I told you no. this? So I was in, um, I went to boarding school in France when I was a freshman in high school. Wow. Then I came back. What? Because you were bad. No, everyone said it was like actually because I was super nerdy at the time. I was really, it was actually really funny. I applied to boarding school, but without my parents' permission by myself when I was 12. Wait, what do you mean? You're like, get me out of here. Literally. (laughs) I like came home one day and I told my parents, I was like, I applied to to French boarding school and I got in. (laughs) And my mom was like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) You're 12. (laughs) Like literally. Well, my mom's French. That's where my name comes from. And I guess part of it was like, I just, it really bothered me that I was French and didn't speak French (laughs) as a 12 year old. It's like, okay, cool. Like calm down, Glen Coco. So anyway, (laughs) so I was like, whatever. But then eventually I like convinced them to let me as like 13, 14, just move there by myself for a year, it was like, it was supposed to only be, yeah. you know, I, w- I wasn't kicked out or anything. So then, I, so after that, so I went there, loved it, came home, then just totally had the bug and then applied to like school year abroad and lived in Italy for a year. You were 13 Whoa. or 14? France, I was 13 or 14. Italy, I was 16. And then I graduated from Andover boarding school because it was like the only place that would take my credits and give me a diploma at that point. Because they were like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, where have yeah, you been? Yeah, they're like, who are you? I like never took American history. Good. Good. Yeah. That's bullshit. It's a super, lie. <laughs> super random. It's bullshit. Um, Jeff works in politics and he gets very upset because I like don't understand how <laughs> voting works. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, uh, like it's, he's like, here, he's watch. Like, what? what is it? School is like, I'm just a bill. I'm only a bill. It's like a cartoon that they do history. Magic school bus? No, No. that's science. Honestly, you're the you're asking the wrong person because clearly I know nothing. This is my Google search. Cartoon history. I'm like what? 
Schoolhouse. Schoolhouse Rock. Oh, Schoolhouse Rock. Rock. Cool. Um, But anyway, yeah. So I, uh, so I think that's part of it because I was the new kid. Yeah. Every single year of like my high school life. And on top of it, I was often the new kid in a place where I couldn't even communicate with people when I got there. Right. So it just like requires a certain friendliness Mm -hmm. and like able to connect with people that literally goes even beyond language. Right. Cause I couldn't speak. I had never taken a single Italian class in my life when I moved to Italy. I knew nothing. French, I, you know, I could speak a little bit, but not really. So I just kind of got used to that, I guess. I think, I don't know if that answers it, but I think I'm convinced that that's why. Cause like, yeah, it's, it's actually funny. Cause I feel like my comfort zone is not being in a comfort zone. Like I would be very uncomfortable having the same job for like years and years Mm. living in the same place. Like I get angsty. I've had like nine addresses in the past six years. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Not, I wouldn't recommend it, but you get really good at moving. Wow. It's fucking crazy. So where are we in the, where are we in the story? Where? Well, I wanted to, I guess, close the loop really fast on your health. Oh yeah. Sure. I think it's, what do you want to know about it? Yeah, like so you had the surgeries, you froze your eggs, correct? Yeah. So I froze my eggs and I think it's also just important that people know this is a thing that happens to women because it's it's less than 1% of all emergency ovarian surgeries, but it's oddly more common than you think. And I have polycystic ovarian syndrome and which is really common in it's like 1 yes. in 10 women um these days, which is insane because it's all like a hormonal mm-hmm issue. Um, a lot of it they think comes from, can come from stress and stuff like that too. But, but yeah, so I froze my eggs and then actually my most recent surgery was in October because they thought that it had like twisted again. I actually ended up having both my ovaries on either side tied to my uterus. And then I was moving so much product. One of them, like the stitch came undone. So I, yeah. Oh my God. I was like, feel it. oh yeah. Oh, honey. it was brutal. It was brutal, but it's a thing. It happens. Be careful. And when and the other thing that I think I learned from that whole experience was because it had been intermittently twisting for like years. And so every time I had a really bad pain in my stomach, I'd go to the doctor and they'd be like, You're crazy. Or like not Aww. they wouldn't tell me I'm crazy, obviously, but they they'd just be like, Um, oh, you're fine. Like it's just, you know, mm. whatever it's tummy, your tummy hurts, like calm down. But it was really painful. And like I feel like mm. I don't know, I feel like a lot of doctors especially for women when they have like really bad pain a lot of the time, like, you know, your body, you know what I mean? And that was a really good lesson from that. But yeah, but now it's fine. I mean, now it's fine from time to time. It can still act up. And especially since the stitches came undone and stuff like that, I have to be careful oh. and we'll see how, how do you manage having babies goes. symptoms? <sighs> Not well, <laughs> like me personally, I'm horrible at taking care of myself, especially when I'm stressed out. So mm. yeah, I don't know, not particularly well. I mean, I try to eat well. Mm-hmm. I exercise a lot. What are the symptoms of it? PCOS. Mm-hmm. Um, it facial really varies. Hair. Yeah, you can have like facial hair and um, it's a lot harder to lose weight because you you generally have insulin resistance and, so, and insulin mm. is the hormone that turns, you know, sugars to fat and stuff and helps you digest your sugars. And so... And it and it produces testosterone. Mm. So if you have, I kind of like actually think maybe part of the reason that I can be 
more aggressive or whatever is like because of my PCOS. I don't know if that's scientifically <laughs> accurate, but I, I have like, like more testosterone than your average chick, I guess, um, which is that's kind amazing. of funny. That's <laughs> so it could be my PCOS so or my weird. Dick. Yeah, it's one of the two. <laughs> or my hard balls. But anyway, it's like ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's just a lot of exercise mm. and running and like, uh, yeah, and just keeping not going too crazy with the food generally speaking but trying to eat like lower carbs lower sugars stuff Mm. like that but Mm. I don't know I'm lucky because it doesn't like my symptoms aren't my worst symptoms is that my over my I mean my symptoms I say my symptoms aren't that bad like JK I lost an ovary but like for me it's a lot of my ovaries are super cystic I just have tons of cysts so I just have to be really Mm. careful about listening to you know my body Mm. I guess Wow. That's a real thing. But yeah, that was that Okay, loop. so we got the rosé from the distributor. From the, yeah, from the supplier. From the supplier. Not to be confused with the no, distributor. No, but it is so true. Because that's different. illegal. <laughs> mm. Really? Yeah, so distributors. So part of the reason that I picked rosé is because I found a legal loophole because distributor, the, the whole alcohol system in America is crazy. There's the three-tier liquor laws. So if you have... if you, This is so super boring for people who aren't me, but basically... There are three. There's there is required by law to be a middleman who's the distributor, and they can't they can't be the same person as the producer, and they can't be a retailer at all. Which is why, if you think about it, like why? you can't buy Casamigos off the Casamigos website. You can't buy Budweiser from Budweiser. Oh, no. You have to buy it from a store. Why? It's like a prohibition thing. It was like oh. grandfathered in because you know distributors and bootleggers got to be really powerful when they were doing all that stuff. And then when alcohol became legal again, you know, they just didn't want to relinquish any power. And so they kind of didn't, didn't have to. And so now by law, in order to get onto the shelves, you have to use a distributor, but you know, they're making all their money off of the big brands, like Mm. the, you know, the Budweiser's of the world and stuff like that. So as a small brand, it's, that's part of the reason the industry is so hard is because they just crush you. They don't have to take you on. They're not. It's, you're not really all that important to them. It's they don't really want to sell your product. They're not invested in it. It's not where they're making their money. Wow. So yeah. So I picked rosé to start off because, in large part, obviously I like it. But but it, even more than that, it was because I found a loophole that allowed us to sell online, which is that um, because it's wine mm-hmm. and we're registered as a California winery, we can have like a wine club, like direct to consumer sales. So that's the only uh, reason that we can sell it online is like that licensing loophole. And you can ship to anywhere in the country? 44 different states. Okay, yeah. Cool. Wow. Yeah. But that's, wow. Yeah. And then super the, random. So with, how did you grow the business? So you have this vision and then you have the product. How did you like, what did you do next to grow or to like really, I guess, formulate it into like what felt to you like a real business? Business. <sighs> Is it a real business? <laughs> I don't know. Do you yes. like do you experience imposter syndrome? Oh my god! Are you kidding? Every single day of every minute of every day. I feel. Like you, I, feel I don't even know why I'm here right now. I feel <laughs> it's so weird because I felt like that when we were at your office. It's like, oh my god, she is so far ahead. Mm-hmm. Like she's got it all together. Exactly. She has all these oh my connections god. and stuff. Like you're I just, no, I don't feel that way at all. I feel like, what am I doing here? Why? What? What? What interesting thing do I have to say? Like nothing. It's funny because you're so confident though too. I wouldn't say. Hmm. I wouldn't say I'm confident. I would say that. Well, no, that's not true. I mean, I would say that. 
how would I even put it properly? I have faith that I will, I have faith in my brain, nothing else really, but like, and I have faith in the people who work for me, of course, but at the forefront of it, like I know that worse comes to worse. I'm going to figure something out. I'm going to be scrappy and I'm going to figure it out. And I don't know what it is, you know, like the same way the company ended up kind of coming into formation. I didn't know what it was going to be. I knew it was going to be something. I knew I was going to figure it out. It was funny. I remember this one conversation I had with my mom where I was like, I just have this vision of this, like almost like this empire. And she was like, so you want to build, like you think that there's going to be a company just kind of based loosely on your personality. And I was like, yes. And she was like, <laughs> she was like mom, what shut are you down. talking oh about? God, I love that. She was just like, what? And I was like, mom, this is what millennials do. <laughs> like, yeah, for fucking real. real. But, but I love that. Yeah. So to me, it's more about just like having, having, I wouldn't call it confidence so much as faith, like mm. having faith. faith over fear. Yeah. And just being like, and you know, and I say this all the time, but like putting yourself in a position and giving yourself the mentality where the only way out is through, right. And just being like, failure is just not an option. Like there might be pivots, there might be mm-hmm. mistakes and so learning. A bunch of those like posters on the wall. I know. It's like really annoying. It's like so awful. Failure's not an option. percent of the shots you don't see. Yeah. It's also like, since it's really funny, my family like just like my siblings just like can't stand me right now I'm sure of it too because on top of it like with Jeff I'm like no you don't just be yourself and like love will find you they're like literally I hate you I was like I know I'm this is not are they all single this makes no sense to me yeah I mean my siblings are younger than I am like significantly so yeah you're like you can have it all yeah (laughs) just kidding look at me no literally but but also but also but also not I mean there's so much to the those jobs too that people don't see right what jobs like starting a business. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the okay, stuff yeah, that people yeah. don't see is the Yo, is like, the stuff that what do you slaughters like, your soul? Yeah. What do you think about that? When you think about this what starting a business, what like what people don't see. Okay. Like well, what comes to mind? Yeah. So okay. So first of all, before we dive into that, when you're mm-hmm. like, how did you actually grow your business? Mm-hmm. I just want to make yeah. it super one super quick thing. I haven't done it. My team has done it. Like a hundred percent. They have done everything. They're like magical fairy unicorns and I couldn't do it without them. And so to me, and that's another thing too, like it's funny because I'll have literal team members come to me and be like, you need to understand that this couldn't happen without you. And I'm like, I feel like I haven't done anything. Like, I feel like I'm running around. What does that feel like? Like, do, is it like your ego's hurt or is it like, thank God they're here? Or is it like, I wish I had more... Like, it's all your idea. Like, we're, we kind of experience that where like, there's people that are doing things like for us that are like, oh, wow, they can do that. Re- at least for me, this is my experience. They do it really well. And then it kind of like takes the responsibility away from me. But then I'm like, oh. yeah, like, well, you it's know, also it's also like challenging if you're doing a good job building a team because you're hiring people smarter than you. Yeah. That's, right. Like yeah. in their areas, like that's so that's true. how you know you're doing a good totally. job is if you have people who are doing things you, you know, that they're better at than you. Mm. You don't want, you know, and, and a lot of people get nervous about hiring people who are smarter than than they are because, you know, it's an ego thing. But I think it's also, it's easy to forget to value yourself and to value management, right? And and I think it's also, and I'm and management is something I don't claim to be good at at all. I'm figuring it out as I go. I mean, it's so clumsy. And like every book you read on it, just in general, it's like bosses are feel so lonely. Like yeah. they... They often yeah. do, you know, because it's you're just kind of like, 
what do I do? Like, am I really adding to this? And then your job for the most part, I mean, I've found that my job for the most part is one, like the, the real part of your job, you know, there's obviously inspiring people and all, all the, all the fun parts, but like the real part is having all the tough conversations over and over and over again, day in and day out, tough conversations. And like, whether it's with investors, whether it's with your team, whether it be, and the thing is like the tough conversations are far and away the most important ones, right? Because if you don't have them, things can just go awry really quickly. And so it's draining, it's tiring, right? And that's the part I think people don't see kind of to loop back is that inspiring people and getting people excited about your, that's all like the fun stuff. That's like, that's the easy, but that's the great part. That's like the euphoria, right? But then there's like the despair of like, oh my God, I have to fire someone. Or like, oh my God, I have to, you know, tell someone that their work hasn't been good or that they're lazy or, you know, that they're mm-hmm. not that they're lazy, but that they are currently acting mm-hmm. and being lazy or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Or also just like bringing people the hard reality, especially when you're in an exciting and delicate time in the company, right? Where things are, it feels like, I'm going to say like another I'm ready. poster. I'm ready. It's like, it's either a rocket ship or a bomb, but either way it's exploding. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it's, it's either going to go mm-hmm. like up or it's just going to detonate before it gets into the mm-hmm. air, which is exciting, but it's terrifying mm-hmm. too. Right. And I've had so many people say this, like if you don't cut those like difficult things, if you don't have those hard conversations early, mm-hmm. it's cancer to a small team. Can we dissect one of those difficult conversations and kind of like maybe things that you found are that are really effective and mm-hmm. maybe like ways in which you conduct them that aren't so effective? Yeah. And like giving hard feedback, feedback and stuff. Yeah, like with your team. Not to sound like a total, you know, tech person, but I I really like the book Radical Candor that mm. just came out. Never mm-hmm. heard of it. It's it's really good. It's by Kim Bernie. Scott. Yeah, and it it helps with a lot of those sort of tactical things. For me, I worked at Bridgewater, right? So I worked right. at, at um, in a place where we were big on radical transparency, which is not the same, um, which is like at Bridgewater, every single meeting was taped or video recorded. What? Everything. Your Did one-on-ones, happen, your like, reviews. after the recession or what? No, that's always been their thing. There's If someone talks about you in a meeting, the tape is sent to you afterwards and you hear exactly what they said. Like I would be in situations where I'm cult. It's it's a reputation for that. I mean, I personally am like, I prefer to know where I stand, even if it's shitty as a person, but most people don't. It turns out a lot of people say they do, but they don't agree, you know? And, um, and so I actually, sometimes the implementation was a little, you know, tricky, but like the, the principles behind it, I totally aligned with. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, sometimes really tough, right? And so like you'd be sitting in a, in your review where, not your review, but like your manager telling their manager the grade they're going to give you for your review. And you're just sitting in the room and they're like going back and forth about whether you like deserve that or not in front of you. Mm. It was like a real thing. So anyway, wow. all to say, yeah. So I kind of came from like, a background that or a training that was very just like direct mm-hmm. and pointed. I'm building like a fluffy magical rose land. Like that doesn't work. You know what I mean? A lot of the time. Like you can't. So I think the thing that I would say about delivering the feedback that's best is 
is that it takes time to have the relationship with your team and the innate trust where they know that you're that you truly have their best interest at heart not at the cost of the company right but that you truly care about them as individuals as well as them as a whole mm. and when you have that sort of like flatline trust giving shitty feedback is a lot easier not easier but right. it can be taken a lot better How right do you build that trust a part of it's giving shitty feedback in a way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's a big part of it, I think, because people need to know where they stand. And then it's also what do you just do, like weekly touch bases or like Oh my God, I wish that I were that organized. I, just, like, I do nowadays. Moment? Yeah, I try to do in the moment as much as I can. Nowadays I have weekly one-on-ones. It wasn't that way when I was early. Yeah. Um, when I and I've still been learning things that work and don't work. Do you and your team have an understanding, like say you are just like stressed out to the max, like are they like understanding of like, if you give feedback to them in a moment and it's like sharp and like, you know, something that could maybe like wound someone a little bit, but like, are they, have you made them understand like, listen, like this is kind of how it is. And it might like feel better in some moments and not. Yeah. Yeah. So so we, so I stole this from Bridgewater, um, but we, I tell the team, so I have what I call a gem book and I gave, and Bridgewater, this is kind of where I learned this, but they call mistakes gems because they're like places that you can learn cool. a lot is in your mistakes, right? And they have a whole principle that's like pain plus reflection equals progress. I'm not the right person. To, I mean, I, I was there for a while and I really, which is true, right? Yeah. But um. And so I literally gave everyone on my team a notebook and I was like, this is the book where you write down like for yourself, feedback you get, whatever, all of the shit that you messed up on that you can do better. And then you review it once a week, like look over it and be like, ooh. And I write one. them I write them down for myself all the time. I'm like, ooh, I could have given that feedback better. Like I had this one time, which is just totally horrible, where I just like totally went off on someone on my team mm. without asking them at all what, it was a silly thing. We we were waiting for this license to come through. Mm-hmm. It was really slow. I just basically the only guy on my team. Whatever. I basically called him and I was just like, "You're, you know, you're not good at being proactive because we've been waiting for this for too long, and you need to, you know, be a dog with a bone and be totally relentless." And like, I did it without asking at all, with no seeking to understand where the process even was because I was just annoyed. Mm. I feel like that part of it is really important. Just being like, okay, first of all, like this is what I'm seeing. Yep. The seeking to understand is so important. Yeah. Seeking to understand first. And then, so like yesterday, to dissect an example, yesterday there was an Instagram post. It was funny, I guess, but it was like a cat with blueberries. Did you see it? (laughs) No, but we, no. Harold with blueberries? No, just a random cat, which is a whole other story. Blueberries like on its head? You're like, this is not on brand. It's, thank you. Okay. (laughs) Well, it was like, it was supposed to be funny, I guess, because like we're supposed to have a personality and whatever. But I, you know, I've been kind of working with, and usually they're really good at this. So I don't mean to, you know, obviously, but, but there are times, right, where it's also like, this is the other thing that's exhausting about giving feedback. You just have to, you cannot let a single thing slide and so it's like mm, that's really good of exhausting right because like so you just constantly feel like you have to be like no 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 but if the <laughs> second that you let one thing go 
especially it with these millennials. <laughs> it turns <laughs> into a monster. Gen you know what Z, I mean? Totally. And so it's like, oh God, I really don't want to, you know, reprimand right now. I don't feel like totally. it. I'm exhausted. This is going to be really annoying. Damn. But the second you don't do it, mm. it's, it takes on a life of its own, right? So like yesterday, so so 99% of the content that the team puts out is fire. Amazing. Yeah. High, fire. High Amazing, right? But like that one percent every once in a while where I'm like, you got lazy. Like you got lazy. And that's why this caption makes no sense. And that's why this thing is not on brand. And I told them at one point, I was like, I will call you on it. And then you have to do it, right? Then you have to follow through. But like I will hold it to you and I will say, defend this post. Like, how is it aligned? How is it on brand? How does it tie to our values? How does the audience know that it ties to our values? Like, is it ownable? Mm. You know, and it's like, and then every time you see something that you know is going to be difficult to defend, like you've actually got to call them on it. Got to be like, defend, defend this. Mm-hmm. Like, tell me why you did this. I guess saying, walk me through your thinking on this post is <laughs> better than saying like, defend this post. <laughs> <laughs> it's like immediately. Ready you know go. what I mean? So yesterday that literally happened. I was like, walk me through your thinking. And they were like, well, She's we like, thought. well, cats. So. Well, she was like, I, you know, we want it to be personality we want to be a personality and our personality is funny and I'm you know and then to that I'm like okay well funny for funny's sake is not on our brand right so funny with the undertone of a value yeah that's our brand Mm. like like being funny because you you know because of so much self-love like that's totally that can be funny and on brand but like is it a cat or a blueberry is not on brand (laughs) you know what you know what I mean (laughs) yeah I find that tiring too it's like there's so much just communication like your whole job is just fucking opportunities for communication that's literally it's the whole job it's like oh I should have gotten to more detail on that email I should have asked that question I should have said that we have a heart out now I should have you know proposed that we do this before every second is like an opportunity for communication it's so fucking tiring and you're gonna have I mean for me I also am like well who am I to say hundred I mean hundred you know I'm like well who am I to be like this is you know this is what it should be or shouldn't be yeah but you just got to do it because, yeah. you know. Because it's your biz. Do you give, yeah. like, so if you're giving feedback, um, because you have a team of men and women, but mainly women who are around the same age-ish. Yeah, ish, early 20s say? for the most mm-hmm. part. Do you give feedback with all of them present? Not like, not knowingly, but maybe, maybe like subconsciously like thinking. Like shame them? <laughs> no. <Dude. laughs> but like, you know what I mean? shaming is so real. But <laughs> not, not, generally so not, not a good tactic. <laughs> if we're like giving feedback like over text, can we send it to the whole group so that like the other ones are like, oh, good to know. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So, so for in the example of the, the cat post. versus blueberries, yeah. I sent that to the whole group. <laughs> <laughs> And hey I guys, was like, not sure which one of you is responsible. No, I said like at so and so in the Slack channel, in the marketing Slack Savage. channel. Like, Love talk that. me through this. Like, why'd you guys do this? Love talk that. me through it. Right. And then other people can also chime in and whatever. Mm. That's something that's feedback that's not personal. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's feedback that's like, you got to make it not this, personal. That's really, that's a well, gift. you, yeah, but it's like, that's feedback that's about output that's not mm. about ethic. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's like, to me, that's fine. It's like, why'd you do this? Mm. Or like, yeah. tell me like, it's important in those two when they, when you get the, the feedback, you know, that's like, Oh, I did this because of this is to listen and be like, and if they, you agree, then be like, okay, that sounds good. 
Yeah. You know, like if, if that they've defended it well enough for you to be like, okay, that makes sense. And I change my mind all the time when I ask them for that stuff. Like there, there are definitely times where like, you know, like for example, we had one picture at one point where it was kind of like, to me, it was like a little sexualized, Mm. you know? And I'm like, the whole point of what we're doing is to like not sexualize women. And, Mm. and basically someone on on my team was like, no, this is like really celebratory of like, you know, it's a hard balance. It's a hard balance. Mm. But then I, you know, and the more I looked at it, I was like, okay, yeah, actually you're right. Like, you're right. Just because it's, you know, not mm. wearing like Amish clothing. Yeah. <laughs> <Classic>. Something. <laughs> yeah. And then if it's about like a person's, how they work or how their specific, if it's not an instance, but mm-hmm. it's like a pattern or like, hey, you haven't been bringing your A game mm. or whatever. That's not something that I would say in front of the whole team. Yeah. Put on the Slack channel. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, and, you know, Alix has been really just a miserable yeah. contributor lately. Like, what well, do we think, everyone? Yeah, vote. That's yeah. what they did at Bridgewater, literally. It was like, vote. Do you think she's been good lately or bad lately? Wait, what? And it would get sent out on an iPad. Yeah, that was a real thing that I went through. But I will, on the other hand, be like, I see so-and-so's late today. Yeah. Publicly. I could literally talk about the entrepreneur stuff with you all day, and I think oh, we need to have a... Need to write a book. Yeah, you'd oh, write a book and barely. we just need to have like a full pod on like entrepreneur life because I do feel like it is maybe glamorized and it's really fucking hard. It's um, so hard. So we hard. didn't even get to that, to the, yeah, it literally had this. Scratch like, the surface. Is it nightmares or dreams keeping you up at night? I can't even tell. I know. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so that true. is actually the truest thing I've ever heard. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. It's like. Because your dream is kind of like... Also your nightmare. As it's growing, it's like yeah. a fucking... <laughs> so like true. It is so overwhelming. I just have no idea. I'll let you know if I figure it out. I do want to kind of round this out. Can you talk to our listeners who are entrepreneurs, who are starting in their own businesses, like what you wish you had known mm-hmm. when you first started? Your worth, I think, is the biggest thing. I think I've even said that to you guys and just in general, especially as fe- women, everyone, like, especially if you're onto a good idea or you're into, there are so many people who are going to come up to you and try to convince you that like they deserve part of what you've built who like aren't necessarily your team, mm. be it investors or like people who want to be quote unquote advisors and not nothing against guys in general, but generally speaking, like guys are a lot better at this than women too. And so they'll, you know, I've had people come to me and basically be like, you should give me advisory shares for like that one phone call I had with you for 10 minutes once, you know, like six months ago. And I'm like, are you, you know, and, and it's every time that happens to me personally, I start to question if I'm, you know, the imposter syndrome kicks in and I'm like, oh my God, they're so right. Because I think in part, because I would never have, it would never dawn on me to do something like that to another like I, I would never, it would never dawn on me that I deserve something of someone else's, unless it were so insanely egregious. Even so, I could never imagine a world where I would go up to someone for helping them for with something and be like, "I deserve, you know, like cash money essentially for this." I'm just that's mm. just not my makeup, but it is the way of a lot of people. And so, just to know that, you know, especially when you start to get into the management stuff and you feel like your whole job is conversations and like, what am I actually doing and blah, 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 to just remember that you're, you're building stuff, you know, and, and you don't have to, you don't have to give that to anybody. Yeah. You know, they don't, Mm. nobody's earned it until, until you've decided they've earned it. And then, and then you give, you know, and then you give with a 
warm and glowing heart, right? And you're mm-hmm. so excited about it. But yeah, I've had that happen a lot. And that's one of the mm-hmm. things that I would definitely say is make sure that you know your worth. Mm. I, love, I that. love that. Yeah. Working our sweet honeys by Bev. Thanks. Thanks, ladies. Yeah. yeah. Online, I right? hope it's helpful. Oh, yeah. Oh, where can our sweet honeys buy Bev? Buy I thought Bev you were saying- and where can we find your brand? <laughs> I was like, what did she say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you, you smiled. Can, um, yeah, yeah, always. Um, it's like Miss America over here. Um, you can buy drinkbev.com. Mm-hmm. We ship pretty much most places 44 now. 44 states. 44 states. Well, soon to be 44 states. We're kind of like unraveling state by state. Mm-hmm. And then in Venice, mm-hmm. Santa Monica area, and just in LA in general, you can get us at um, both Simon Slicker stores, Lucky, you can buy us at the Standard Hotel, Ace Great. Hotel, stuff like cool. that. We're around poolside and we just brought on a killer head of sales. So we will be everywhere. It's so, it's so good. It's so good. The product. It's delicious. Well, yeah. that, well, that's the thing. I think with like a, a rosé, it's a hit or miss. And then you see it in a can, you're like, oh man, okay, I'm probably going to be sacrificing taste because it's in a can and you don't. So Yay, I'm so glad you thought yeah. you yeah. think Love so. Love your whole comp. Yeah, and then, our, and then Instagram, obviously follow us on Insta. Yeah, your it's, Instagram it's, is bomb. It's good, it's good content, even if there's the occasional <laughs> blueberry cat. <laughs> if nothing <laughs> like, else, what? go meet Harold. Go meet Alix's yeah. cat. Follow, yeah, the real Harold yeah. underscore. He's another catch to find on Instagram. But, oh my God. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you are an expander for us. You have been truly. so uh, gracious you with your time and knowledge. Mm. And it is truly um, an honor to know you and be in your network yeah. of people. And so happy for you and your oh, new you man. You guys are so sweet. Thanks. Yes. We love you. Love you guys. See you He'll soon. He'll be so excited. <laughs> How fun. Blessed be the Bev. Blessed be the Bev. I I don't drink, but I enjoy Bev. That's a nice refreshing. Yeah. Light. Mm -hmm. Love the can. Yeah. Great branding. Their branding is Branding so amazing, so amazing. All right, so wanna reviewed, re, wanna wanna reviewed. <laughs> I want to. Re- Are you uh, hunting a rabbit? I am. <laughs> I want to read a review of the week. <laughs> Love this podcast. Five stars. I started listening to this podcast a couple weeks ago, and the day I started listening, they were talking about their tour. I went on their website after listening to a few episodes, and it happened to be that they were in NYC that night. I bought a ticket. The event changed my life, and now I have listened to almost all of the episodes thanks to my New York commute. I love this podcast. I love these girls. Thanks for everything you do and for making a big city seem a bit smaller. Oh, I just got goosebumps. I know. Eris Tunes. Thanks, Eris Tunes. Truth bumps. Truth bumps. That's fate. Wow. Wow. You went to the event, and it changed your life after you listened. What? That's a perfect segue to our tour. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey guys, the tour is happening. <laughs> but for real, the tour is changing people's lives all over the damn world. It's changing my life. It is changing my life. <laughs> I never thought I'd tell someone I'm on fucking tour. Tonight is Portland. See you there. Portland. Yeah. And then Spark over the weekend. Next week, Dallas sold out. Austin probably sold out. Check the website. <laughs> and then uh, we have two more LA events. In, one in San Diego. One in San Diego. And... On the 24th. And one on the 24th. Yep, sorry. Holy hormones. Holy hormones. That's going to be on hormone health. So that's going to be dope. That will definitely sell out. Um, and then uh, the one in San Diego is very small, very intimate. It's like a full day with y'all. So that's going to be... Too. I don't know if so it, we should good. check if it is sold out. 
Yeah, it's probably getting there. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. Almost30podcast.com slash tour. Find us on Instagram, almost30podcast. And as always, our our community has like said that they prescribe these episodes to people that need it. So um, if it resonates with you, it will probably resonate with someone else. So gift that to someone. It's how we grow. We really appreciate it and love you so much. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) I was thinking goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.